Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host as always, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. This episode's guest is Dr. Ben House of Functional Medicine Costa Rica. Ben is a strength and conditioning coach and a functional medicine practitioner with many years of experience working directly with a variety of different clients. On this episode, Ben and I discussed many topics, including Ben's background and his influences, the good and not so good things that Ben sees within the health, wellness and fitness professions, Ben's overall philosophy for optimizing human health performance, Ben's top resources and advice, and much more throughout the show. This is a really great episode, guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Dr. Ben House, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor to finally get you onto the podcast. I know Pat Davidson has been trying to get us two together for a while, so it's finally happened. But uh, Ben, just for the listeners who might be too familiar with who you are, just fill us in on your background. Uh, so I'm a, I've been a meathead since I was 13, and maybe, maybe younger than that, when I first saw people like bench press plates. Um, and then I was enamored with that, and I have been, and still am, right? Um, and then I got my degree in pre-med and was going to go to medical school, but my dad got really sick, and I kind of just got really pissed off at that model. Um, and so <clears throat> I took a couple years off, did like some walkabout type stuff, and, uh, and get, ended up getting really into nutrition. I uh, got my PhD from the University of Texas in nutritional sciences, and uh, ran a metabolic study there, um, and now I live in the jungle, and I'm trying to create a place, and I guess not trying, I am creating a place where uh, we can run metabolic world-type studies on people who actually lift and who live the lifestyle, and so that's that's what I do, and, and that's kind of my one thing, is to, to bring this, this, I don't know what you want to call it, a retreat center, or just a, like a lifting zendo, um, where you can come and, and just crush weights and, and we can collect data and, and watch what happens. What initially got you into sort of medicine and nutrition? Like why those fields? What was it that kind of, what made you kind of follow those paths? Yeah, so I, I started, I, I got my first personal training certification. Not that really, really matters when I was 19. So I've, mm-hmm. I've been in the industry for, I guess, 12 years now, which is not long of a period of time, but enough to know that um, I didn't know that much. And so I kind of figured nutrition just kind of, it was my passion, right? Um, I really wasn't into the reps and sets type stuff. I, I liked it. I did some programming. I, I've, I've coached, but um, what really lights my fire is just like, is looking at the big picture and figuring out like, cause there's only so much you can do with like with your time in the weight room. It's, you know, four, maybe 10 hours a week. If you're, if you're like a, an elite level, um, performance athlete and so uh, what about those other hours and so I'm going to leave like <clears throat> what people do in the gym I'm going to leave that to guys like Pat Davidson and um, other mentors and colleagues that I've had like Aaron Davis who's probably one of the, the smartest men I know um, and Landon Evans I mean there's tons of yourself like um, so I'm going to leave that in their court and then I'm going to try to do everything I can to optimize from I hate that word but try to make all the other aspects of their life feed into their training. Uh, and so that's what, that's what I love. And that's what I've kind of always loved. And, um, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to, to live that life and to be able to, that people want to hear what I want to say that I have to say. Great. So, 
Uh, a question I always love asking all the guests is, who has been the biggest influence on you, both professionally and personally? Oh, my dad, for sure. Like personally, my dad, my father. He's a um, he's a Zen. I don't know what you would call him, a Zen teacher. Um, I call him a Zen monk. Uh, he's he's been practicing Buddhism for close to twenty years now, and uh, just watching the change in him over that time is is really been. Um, it's been huge, and so it's allowed me to ask kind of these big questions, and, and and also he's helped me, like most parents, like I I got scholarships, so the reason I can do what I can do is because I have no school debt, um, and I think that's that's something that we don't want to talk about a lot in our current atmosphere, but if you have 90K or even more, like if I went to med school and I had 250K in school debt, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm lashed to that profession because I have to make that money to, to, you know, to be able to pay for my life and to be able to pay for those school loans. Um, so he's just helped me on so many levels to be able to do what I do. And, and I don't know that I can ever repay him for that, nor would he want me to. Um, but just watching his journey and then just having him, uh, in my life has been amazing. They say like your entire life changes when your father dies. And I think that'll definitely happen for me. I think that'll be probably the one one of the most somber moments of my life. Um, and it's going to happen, right? We're all going to die, whether we like, whether Peter, Peter Thiel likes it or not. Um, <laughs> and so for me, that, that's been the, the biggest person on the personal development side. Um, on the professional side, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's so many people that I think we learn from. Um, I'll just start like Datis Karazian's huge, um, mm. He puts out a ton of quality information. Brian Walsh, who you also follow, um, and and just PubMed in general. I think I haven't had like my graduate advisor was was that's not true. Um, so my graduate advisor was Dr. Jamie Davis, who's who's um, she's an RD PhD, and she just put up with me, which is pretty cool because I I just wanted to look at so many things and had like research ADD, and um, and she got me out of there in a system that most places, most graduate advisors, I probably don't get out of. Um, and she kind of, she taught me the ropes and taught me how to learn. And so, um, and she's, she has, you know, huge trials. She's running a garden trial right now. Um, and so she's done a lot of, a lot of interesting work. And, um, so I was fortunate enough to, to be in her lab for five years and, and learn what I liked and what I, what I, you know, what didn't, I didn't gravitate towards. So those have been probably the, and, and also, you know, you know, I'm going to throw a pat in the mix as well. Like, um, he's a mentor to so many people and I think he would think of me as a colleague, but I'm younger than Pat. Um, and a lot of the, and so just having him in my corner is, is pretty huge. And, and, and there's a lot of people like that in my life and I'm just, I'm just thankful for him. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's, that's great. Great stuff. Um, a question I, I'd love to get your thoughts on is, what do you think are the best things that you currently see within both the fitness field and the health and wellness field? But then on the opposite end of that spectrum, what are the, the, the worst sort of things you're seeing within the fitness profession and the health and wellness profession? And with the things that you're, you're seeing as more so the worst things, what solutions would you put forward for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think the worst thing that I see in the health and fitness industry is thinking that we have the answer, um, thinking that our way is the only way. Um, from the exercise side, if, if weight loss is your goal, I don't care what anyone says. It, it really doesn't matter what you do in the weight room. Like, 
it's it's all about movement and just getting people's getting people to move, um, increasing physical activity, and that probably involves like move, like getting people to do what they love. Um, it's, adherence is the name of the game in that sector. I think in the performance sector, we've seen um, we've seen the coming of CrossFit, and and it's not to be denied. Uh, what's that? What that has done to the industry? I mean, it brought Olympic weightlifting back. Um, so I think we've we've that model has done a lot of positives, but it's also done a lot of negatives in that people are constantly chasing fatigue, and that fitness seems to <clears throat> lean its way to the lowest common denominator. And so the the best in the industry are trying to educate people. They, you know, chasing fatigue isn't isn't your best idea. We might we need to we need to work right, but there's a difference between just beating the shit out of yourselves and doing something productive. Um, and, and that's changing. And so the, the the worst things that I see are people thinking that they have it right, whether it be CrossFit, FMS, functional. Like there's there's so many ways to get this job done, right? And there's and there's more cohesion than uh, than we think. Whenever I talk to somebody who's like Mike T. Nelson or somebody who's just super well versed, um, it's we don't really disagree. I don't know if you found this. There's not a lot of disagreement. There's not a lot of arguing. It's more like okay, wow, well, that, I didn't think about that that way. Um, and so the, if we can move the industry to, to be more synergistic instead of being so combative and like, this is, this is the path that we want to follow. Um, I think that would be helpful. Um, the best things that I see, uh, in the industry are kind of that, right? You know, the people that are making, are making those changes. And, and they're also this idea of being an inch deep and a mile wide instead of just an inch you know wide and a mile deep. And, and so expanding because the coolest shit in our field that doesn't really happen when you're only immersed in one section it happens when you you know you get out of your box and you you start messing with you know, pri and performance and then nutrition on top of that or, or whatever whatever you guys want whatever you your you know your tools and your tool bottle are the more tools you have the better the more people you're going to be helping the less of a liability you're going you're gonna to be i think the the thing to remember in all our industries is like what's the number one rule is do no harm right um, and so if we constantly come back to that, I think that's, that's important. Is that, is that good? Yeah, it's great stuff. It's all great. Um, okay, cool. There's, there's no right or wrong with anything you're going to say, brother, here. So whatever comes out from your heart, it's, it's, it's all good. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure that I answer the, the questions you have, because sometimes I'll, I'll go on like mad tangents. Um, tangents is what I'm all about. That's where the magic shit happens. So that's, that's <laughs> why, right, that's, good. that's why I get Davidson on this podcast so much. Um, he's he's a man of tangents, and, oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're quite fun to listen to. Absolutely, absolutely, no question. Just uh, it's not even in my notes here, but uh, and, and actually, it's just mentioning Pat. He was the guy who said it, but and you you've mentioned this individual already, who's your father. Um, he he seems to be a, a very interesting individual. Um, and Pat was saying he, he'd be someone I'd love to speak to too. Uh, like, I suppose you've touched on how he's been a big influence on you, but um. Maybe just speak a little more about your relationship with your father. And he said early on it was an illness that he had that kind of drove you to where you are now. So maybe you could just elaborate a bit more about you and your father and, and where you see the sort of the vision you have for this retreat and maybe his his sort of role and how he's he's shaped that as well. Yeah, the, so my dad and I talk a lot about breaking cycles, right? Um, so his father was an alcoholic. Uh, he was a journeyman electrician. He was a Marine. Um and he never, you know, he was asleep most of his life. Um, he did. He provided for my my dad and my grandmother the best way he knew how. But that was where he, that was how he was brought up. And, and so my dad was an alcoholic until he was about thirty. 
um, 33. And then when I was, when I was about three years old, I, he, I told him like, Hey, I don't like it when you drink anymore. And he stopped drinking. And that was kind of the, the big, the first big cycle that I think he broke. Like if you probably look back to most of my ancestors, you know, we're dopaminergic. We were the first people on the boat to go over places. Like, um, we're going to be apt to gamble and substance abuse. And so he was, he was maybe the first person among my ancestors who broke that cycle. Um, and I, I was an alcoholic and I broke that cycle when I was about 26. Um, I've been sober for three to four years. Um, and so you can kind of just see that in our family, like we're breaking cycles faster and faster. Um, and that's, and he was the first person to do it. And so from, I care about my father. I'm not, I care about my father more than any other human on this planet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when he got sick, obviously I love my mother as well, but she'll tell you that we don't have the same connection as my father and I. Um, so he was so sick. Like he has, he had uh, diverticulitis and, uh, everybody was just telling him to eat crackers and, and rice cakes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, I literally, he would be on the toilet and holding my hand and screaming. And so, and I'm, and he's going to doctors. He's on every painkiller and on the man. He's not old. Like he's, he's mid forties, right? This shouldn't be happening. Um, and so I was, I just went on a walkabout. Like I, I talked to him all the time and I was in Colorado. And for some reason I met this guy who had diverticulitis and he gave me this book, uh, breaking the vicious cycle. And it was like, mm. it was all about, it was basically paleo, but you made your own yogurt. Um, and, and so we took away, we tried. Like he, he was, he, when you're at the, when you're desperate, you'll do anything, right? There's two things that motivate us. Um, well, desperation and motivation. And so I, I hope you that you don't ever have to make desperation to Jim Rohn. Um, and so from, from his aspect, he was desperate. And so he's willing to try everything. So he was in Wisconsin. So he's willing to, you know, go against everything in his environment and eat like this. So, you know, eating nut breads and like making his own yogurt and eating only meats. And he was symptom free in three days. Wow. Yeah. So you go, you go just from food. So you go from, and he had to have 10 inches of his, um, of his intestines removed. Like we're talking like bad shit. And so my dad has Crohn's disease and no one ever asked that question. Um, and and, well, he doesn't have Crohn's. Sorry, he has celiac disease where he can't take gluten. Hopefully, he doesn't have Crohn's. We've never had that tested where he has an autoimmune issue to his to his to his bilirubin small intestine. Um, and so now he's he's relatively we got him relatively stable, right? He doesn't have a lot of GI symptoms. He doesn't have a gallbladder. Um, so he's been the he's been the product of the medical model. Um, and and so we got him to a place uh, where he feels pretty good and, and he has a lot of energy and he doesn't have um, as many digestive symptoms. Um, and that's all through whatever you want to call that functional med integrated medicine. Um, and so he was my first patient and, um, he's, he's been my patient ever since. And we've tried a lot of stuff and he's, it's been, it's been fun. Um, and so it's been an honor to help him. And then one of the big things we talk a lot about is breaking the cycle in terms of death. Um, and so most Americans, I don't live in America but most Americans don't want to be around death. Uh, we shove it away, right? We put old people in nursing homes. Um, they're kind of a they're a nuisance almost. And um, and so you want to break that cycle. And in doing that, I want to. Uh, my goal is to. Uh, we actually have a hard goal of 2000 September 2018. 
of my father and my mother living in Costa Rica, you know, six to seven months out of the year and then living in northern Wisconsin six or seven months out of the year. And then them just being able to have fun and, and be healthy the last years of their life um, and, and staying close with them, right, uh, no matter what happens. And, and so not putting them in some kind of home. If they need help, we'll get them help, right? But um, that's that's one of our big goals is how can we how can we break this cycle? How can we age gracefully? Um, and how can I do right by my family? Because um, everyone in my family has had, everyone in my family really does have, other than my grandfather, we don't know, has an autoimmune disease. So my mother has Hashimoto's, my dad has celiac disease, um, and my grandmother has multiple sclerosis. And, and so you, you think about like how big of a impact is food probably going to have on my life. And then even if we have kids, the, the life of their lives, um, just because, you know, 80% of your immune system lives in your GI tract. So your, your body's got to see that food and not react to it. And so why are we so, our family, why genetically are we so predisposed to the, our, essentially our own system destroying itself um, or trying to destroy itself? Um, and so that's, those are, those are the big things with my dad as far as professionally, as far as personally, um, he's just always been there. Um, so I was, I grew up in a very, I don't know, it was, it was like one of the top five most murderous cities in America when I was younger. Like it was, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, my family was not poor. We were real poor when I was little. Um, but then my dad got pretty successful in the, he's a, he's an IT professional. Um, and then we didn't really have to worry about money when I was, that started in probably like, middle school as much and so but i just lived in in almost extreme poverty um and and so it, we, we lived in a lot like detroit so it was a manufacturing town that had all the main manufacturers like amc case they all basically left and so now you had this this large population of around 100,000 people who didn't have very many skills and they didn't have a lot to do and, and so um crime was rampant and people were just trying to survive and so, um, like, I remember my mom going out in the street when I, I was young, probably five or six, and and there was just a knife fight in our, like, in the street. And, like, I remember, like, watching it and, like, thinking, I was probably scared a little bit, but, like, it didn't seem abnormal, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and that's really weird to me. And I'm sure there's, there's a lot of people that have grown up in, you know, harsher climates than that, like the Middle East and stuff like that. And, and, but the fact that that wasn't abnormal, um, just thinking back, was, it was very weird. Like we would, we would shine like um, red lights on buildings and like try to get people to freak out, and just because like they think their gun was on them. People would freak out. Uh, like, and I stole everything when I was a kid. I was a, I was a very bad person, a very bad human, um, very like not awake when up until probably I was nineteen or twenty. Um, and so my my. Uh, I guess we, my brother kind of got pinched. He got, he got, uh, he got arrested under the table. Um, and that's when I started to like really wake up and, and like, Hey, this is probably, I could, I'm at this pivotal point where I could like spend the rest of my life in jail or I could do something, uh, with my life. <laughs> and, um, so that, that then slowly but surely I just started, I walked with my, I went with my dad to his end center. I don't know why he'd been going there for like five years, but, um, all of a sudden I met his teacher and I, and then I met him and we hit it off and, I, and then I just started uh, sitting meditation it changed the the course of my life um, and so I'm thankful for that
it's um it's inspiring too that like i mean this this like you you could speak about this as if it was so long ago but in the grand scheme of of a timeline it's it isn't all that long ago i mean what did you say you're what are you know 26 27 ben, is it? i'm 31 now I'm oh sorry 31, 31. Sorry. no no so yeah so i like when 19 was a little bit long ago but uh yeah. um yeah definitely not that long ago yeah yeah i mean to be honest uh, i would have been similar to yourself and you know when i was a teenager all right like i was fucking just off, off the walls you know but it's kind of like that saying if 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 i knew then what i know now you know you'd like to think that i probably would have made some some uh different choices into it then now at the same time when people go is there anything ever changed i'd always say no i'd never want to change anything because it's led me to be the person i am at this very moment in time but uh what 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 has happened in terms of just the more i've started to become i suppose aware of uh, of myself and of the world and of the environment and become more conscious of the fact that everyone and everything is aware for a reason it's maybe you know have more understanding of why I, I did the certain things I, I did you know in terms of obviously we're so influenced by our environment and I always say to people as well you know there, there's there's two main factors that go into determining why someone is the way they are and that's their chronic factors such as like your upbringing and your environment then there's acute factors like your nutrition and your sleep and you know they, they can change who you are in an instant because I mean and I always just use examples of like, what happens when you're hungry? And they all go, I'm hungry, exactly. And that's blood sugar right there. And so like there's these chronic factors again, like upbringing and society and, you know, dogmatic belief systems that were instilled in you that you didn't really have a choice in because you were bestowed with these things when you were like a child and you just didn't have the, the ability to question them. So they just became belief systems. And then you have these acute factors such as your dietary, sleep, circadian rhythm, habits, exercise. So so many factors that go into determining who any human being is at any moment in time. So once I kind of became aware of those things, I, I could appreciate and I suppose forgive myself for the certain actions I've done back today because I suppose a lot of people live in shame and guilt whether they're not aware of it and they go around in a depression and they wonder why they're depressed. It's maybe because they, 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 they're angry at themselves for pr- previous things they've done to other people. And I suppose, you know, it goes back to this thing of, you know, trying to like all the great sort of script, scripture says it starts with you so it's about finding unconditional love and, and forgiveness for yourself first before you can before you can share it so as paul check would say if you don't share it you can't wear it but uh it's it's similar your path in, in mind maybe you know just just we went through different experiences but it, it sounds similar in, in a lot of ways as well yeah i think a lot of people in our industry have that story right mm. um i think and in, I would, i'm the same way like i would change nothing about my past it's made me who i am and i'm thankful for it exactly um the, I, I will say this, like, so that we think of the past as real, um, but the past is really dynamic and changing based on our memory. It gets worse and worse, like our memory of the past. So the, the, the past is, is, is an illusion. Um, and it's the illusion that we tell ourselves, just like anything else. It's all about perception. Um, and so if you can, if you can break, that, break that habit, right, and just come back to the present moment and realize that you are not your past, you are not your future, you'll be, you'll be better off. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, definitely. So the the next question, and you can go off on this as long as you want, and I love asking this. I, I recently had Michael McAvoy on the podcast, and um, and you know, a friend of mine, Danny Lennon, who's Sigma Nutrition, has been speaking about this topic yeah. as well for a while. Is when you hear the word health, like what comes to your mind? So so basically, what what is health to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it is a good question. <laughs> Yes. So to me, like health is 
being able to live out your purpose. Um, and so I, I actually hate longevity research. Like I'm, I'm like, I get it. Like it, but I, my goal is not to live forever. Like, I think that's a very stupid goal. Like I'm not going to live at a 10% caloric restriction just cause it's going to give me three more years. Uh, maybe it'll give me more, but I don't really give a shit. Um, what I want, I want to be able to have the power, the strength and the fortitude and the mental capacity to, to, to do what I love and to change my little piece of the world if I can. Um, and that obviously starts with yourself. Uh, cause I mean, Dan Milvin said it's like leading, leading by example is the only thing that really matters. Um, mm. What you say doesn't, you, we all know plenty of mentors who say some shit and do a bunch of other stuff. So like what you do matters more, your actions matter more. Um, so that, that to me is one of the biggest things. So if, if even if you like, if you cut off my leg, right, I'm still going to be able to bench press. I'm still going to be able to, you know, military press. I'm still be able. I'm still be able to write. I'm still be able to do a lot of stuff, right? So is is health to me is that capacity. Um, it's not just living for the sake of living. And from the from the chronic disease standpoint or sustained disease model, you're really just seeing people who don't have a purpose, right? Because if you have a purpose and you want to, you're not going to eat like hot dogs and and crackers and a bunch of processed food because you know that that's not going to make you feel well and your brain's not going to work very well. So if you're aware, you're not, awareness is really the key because if you're aware, you're going to move your body because your your movement's going to turn your brain on your brain's going to shit without moving. Like you have way more afferent signals coming up than, than efferent. And so like once you become aware and you have a purpose, everything starts to fuel that purpose. Um, I call it an anchoring habit. Like, so for me, training is my anchoring habit. If I train, all the other habits kind of fall in line. And that, and so I think it's, it's really key. Sometimes people's anchoring habit is sleep. Sometimes people's anchoring habit is food, right? What is the thing that helps you keep all the other wheels on that are important? Um, and from a health standpoint, like, yeah, we can, you, you've given talks on blood chemistry. So have I, like we can look, look and look at blood chemistry, but you are not your labs. Like there's plenty of people who drink Jack Daniels on a porch who live till they're 90 and they probably have a homocysteine of 78. Right. Um, and so there's, there's people break every law in the book. And so who's to say that if you do all this shit that you're going to, that you're going to live longer, but if you do all this shit, you may feel better. And if you feel better, you may be able to help more people and you may be able to, may be able to become more aware. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, you know, I, the reason why I ask that is because there's there's such a I suppose there would be misconception I suppose to to the to the majority of people what health is they only ever see health as this sort of like exercise and nutrition component where there's all there's also this mental emotional and spiritual aspect and what I see an awful lot nowadays is so many because the fitness industry is just it's it, it seems to be saturated because of the social media outlets we have like it seems like everybody's is you know doing a personal training course or some type of health and wellness course and you know everybody's looking for clients and it just seems that like the, the fitness and health and wellness sort of professions are exploding and it just seems that it's kind of made people's perceptions of what health and wellness is very narrow in that people are just like just exercise and eat well and that's awesome health and wellness where like i know a lot of people who like they look like adonises they look great but they are miserable and like you get mm-hmm. these, you get these people like if they miss like a training session, it ruins their day, and you're kind of like, is that true health then, like, or like if they don't have the perfect meal or the quote unquote quote, healthy meal, whatever that means, 
then that ruins your day. And you're like, mm, is that like, are you displaying emotional, emotional health there? I don't think so. So are you truly healthy? Like, it's kind of hard to word it. I know that Ben Escrow was on Danny Lennon's podcast and he kind of put it a good way. He says it's this sort of line between obsession and a passion, maybe, you know, or, or maybe, sorry, maybe more so like, a, you know, it's like an addiction versus a passion, you know, like is there's a line there where it starts to become like an addiction. And then if you don't get your fix, like your exercise or your perfect meal, it ruins your day and then mentally emotionally you're not in a good place it's like that surely is not the definition of health then because you're missing a huge puzzle of it yeah maybe your your physical body is looking good and and maybe your calories are perfect or whatever else but if you're mentally emotional in the game too and and you get you get disturbed by such easy things as in missing a meal or or uh, not being able to do a training session and then there's other aspects too. If you're constantly having to go to the gym and prep meals, like what's your social circle like with friends and family? And there's just all these other aspects of health and wellness that I think people don't consider. I think they only look at the nutrition and training aspects and don't look at these mental, emotional aspects and socializing aspects and that whole aspect too of health. So it's just that's why I always ask what what is what are people's true definitions of health? You know, and I heard Paul Check lately say he believes you know health is the awareness of your own awareness. So you know, it was kind of a nice way of putting it as well. So you kind of touched on that with with the with the concept of you know more awareness. I think I think we, if we really want to nail it down, I would say health is being like anti fragile or resilient, right? Yeah, so ro- ro- so, ro- robustness is the word that comes to my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're so fragile that if you miss a workout, everything goes to shit. Like that's 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 not very helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, like, if you eat, if you eat gluten and if you don't have an autoimmune condition, like, you should be able to take some shitty food. Like, yeah. you, you shouldn't be that fragile that, that that messes you up for weeks on end, right? Exactly. Um, you should be able to function with less than optimal sleep for a couple of days. You shouldn't do it all the time, but, you know, people actually perform better in a little bit sleep-deprived from, from what I've read. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think that's all important. And, yeah, we put a lot of – it's hard to take an Instagram of your emotional health, right? Very true. Uh, so, and that you do that by like how you talk, how you live, and you're a great representation of that. Like you live your message, right? And I would say this though, like this this idea of addiction and obsession being bad, like as a completely dopaminergic uh, human, probably may, more maybe more so than any anyone else. Like I have the genetics to prove it. Um, we only get. A lot like you think about like the best people in the world, like the best people in their profession, like they get shit done because they're unbalanced, mm-hmm. because they're willing to spend long amounts of time, very very immersed in their field. Um, and so we have one of the big problems. You ask like, what are the big problems in our industry? It's probably like this ping pong ball effect of like people wanting to know like what's what's so good about infrared saunas, and like the next three minutes they're like, oh my god, what do I? Can I? Should I eat more kale? Like it's like fuck dude just you gotta focus you gotta have something that you're passionate about and then you gotta really die you gotta get some sort of mastery um and so i I think we got a lot of people that are they just live that you know next best thing every every day you don't have like a real a real grounding purpose to what they want to do yeah i mean that's something i've touched on an awful lot uh on the podcast and it's been something that's been on my mind an awful lot lately is this idea of instant gratification because we live we, we're surrounded by instant gratification and again social media is a big driver that you know i think the the generations i suppose people call them like the millennials now but even probably me and you because we're roughly the same age i'm 30 or 31 
but even like I suppose our generation and especially now the, the generation below us and, and the millennials like they've grown up in nothing but instant gratification and so the concept yeah. the concept of delayed gratification is very very tough for them um so and again I suppose that's why books on mastery are, are so profound because that they're almost forgotten concepts that need to be appreciated um and it, you know I suppose it's it's no doubt about it it, it is it, it can be tough to sort of draw yourself away from all the uh, distractions and and what seems to be other people's successes that are in your face if you are constantly surrounding yourself with that social media but definitely one of the keys to self-mastery is this concept of delayed gratification um so it, it is an interesting concept definitely to to, to touch on and to, and to bring to life without, without question so ben yeah oh yeah, go ahead go on. no no uh so like i've got plenty, plenty of other questions here so just in in terms of your overall philosophy when it comes to life and health and wellness what what would your answer be to that so basically like what, what's your life philosophy and, and then if you want to delve into like when we talk about health and wellness like what, what are your principles that you abide by like i know paul check always likes to say you know hydration nutrition movement thinking breathing and uh sleep he says if you get those six areas in your life right he's like you're, you're pretty much going to be pretty pr- pretty solid for the rest of your life like so what are the big rocks for you health and wellness and and then from that, what is your sort of philosophy and outlook on life? Like, why are we here? What's our purpose? Man, that is that is that is a strong question. Uh, a lot there. Uh, I will I will say like I'm writing the the companion kind of book for Mass right now. Mm. Uh, Mass, so Mass, Mass that, two. Yeah, Mass two. Yeah, and so in that, I, I kind of touch on on ten things that um, that I feel are you know, the most, that really are the most important for if you want to live a, uh, I guess you would call a quote unquote healthy life. And the first, and, and this is, this is obviously geared towards male gorilla athletes. Um, and the first one is like not eating enough. The second one is not eating like an adult, like so food quality. So first one's food quantity, second one's food quality. Uh, the third one is not sleeping enough. Like if you don't sleep, everything else is going to be jacked up. Uh, the fourth one is not drinking enough water, right? And you're going to get a performance decrement at 0.5% dehydration. Um, then the the next, then it gets kind of woo, right? It's like not relaxing enough. I think like not taking enough time to to be with yourself, and be with your thoughts, and just and unplugging. So I pl- unplug from social media one week a month. Like I'm like done, none. And then I block my email as much as possible. And, and those are. And I connect with my environment. And that's the most that I can do right now and still have a business and still, you know, be in the field. And eventually it might, it might be the, I might never go on social media. I might just write and, and that I might be like, like Stephen Pressfield says, like your life goes to shit 140 characters at a time. And I, and I can definitely resonate with that. Um, so not relaxing enough, not unplugging is, is huge. Uh, and then the next one for me is improper meal hygiene. And then the next one is like, airways like so because you think about like if someone has sleep apnea they're gonna have low testosterone they're gonna have diabetes like everything's gonna go to shit so if you're not able to breathe like you're gonna be sympathetic if, if you don't have if your ferritin status is shit if you don't have iron if you don't have hemoglobin and carrying oxygen like you're gonna be sympathetic um so i guess oxygen delivery there and then not having any fun like so i think in our current culture like grown-ups having fun is frowned upon like he it's like a waste of time, right? For me to go golfing, everybody's like, oh my God, you're going golfing on a Wednesday afternoon? Like, hell yeah, I'm going 
off. Shut the fuck up. Um, and so, like, just having fun in general, like, you have just you have permission to have fun. Like when you're in third grade, you went out, you got done. You didn't like think about doing more homework after you're done with your homework. You went outside and you had fun. And now, like as grown ups, you're like, oh my god, what more shit can I do? Uh, no, just have fun. And, and and then the next one is like not having a community or not socializing. And so if you don't have fun, you're never gonna. You're only gonna socialize with people like you work with. And so then your life's gonna turn into work. But if like you go camping, you go fishing, you have some kind of religious group that you work with. You're going to have things that you do other than work and you're going to have different social structures other than work. And so, um, and then number 10 is, 10 is to me is like the number one. So I put it last and then I talk about it first. It's not having a purpose. I think if you don't have a purpose, you're just going to be, you're going to be lost and nothing in your life is going to have an anchor and your life's going to reflect that. And so finding that purpose, whatever that is, and you only find that purpose by, um, by being aware, right? By doing all the other things, by waking up. So those are those are my big things. How would you advise someone to seek their purpose? You get a lot of people saying, "I don't know, I don't know my purpose. I don't know why I'm here." Do, do you have any tips or any sort of advice that that could help people to, to discover why why they're here to help them along that path? Yeah, I think meditation is a is a great start. Um, you have to sit with your thoughts, uh, wake up to the present moment, like uh, just to be able to. Because our mind just naturally produces thoughts like clouds in the sky. Like we don't shouldn't get mad at the thoughts that just happen. Um, but if you can become the watcher of your thoughts, all of a sudden you think like, okay, what am I really after? And then the the kind of the Buddhists would say like it, the whole point of this is that so you can know yourself so that you can help other beings, right? So the, this kind of a woo woo thing. But like you think about the best strength coaches in the field, like even. Like, they're so, they know themselves. They're so confident in their own skin. You mentioned Paul Shek. Like, you might, if you, whether you like Charles Poliquin or not, like, the guy's comfortable in his own skin. Like, he's, he's not, he's not afraid to tell, to tell it how he sees it. And so you think, you think about, like, those people in our field, like, they, they are not scared individuals and they, and they know who they are. And in that knowledge, they are able to help other people. And so I think, um, sitting can be very helpful. And then also, I think we reading the works of people who've done it before, right? Um, so like Stephen Covey, uh, Daniel Pink, Chip and Dan Heath. Like, there's so many good books out there. Uh, Gary Keller, The One Thing, is a great one. Uh, anything by Stephen Pressfield. So, the, and then one of the things like uh, wear the mask until it becomes your face, right? So even if you don't know, just like start trying shit. Like, this is my purpose, and then oh yeah, this is not my purpose. Let me find a new one. And hopefully you don't run your whole life, but eventually you're going to find something you gravitate towards. Yeah. And that, it's going to change too, right? Like we're dynamic, like especially now in our current environment, like we change careers more than any other time in history. If you were black back when you died. Um, but now like we have, who knows, like 10 years down the road, I like, I might be graphing livers on people. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that, that is a good point. You know, in terms of, I think people again, they could get a bit narrow-minded and if they try something and realize it's not what they want to do, they, they they might see it as a negative, rather than you know you could see that as a positive and say, well, well at least I know that's not it, so I can move on there. Where some people might say, I'm never going to find anything. So it, it's again, it comes down, and we spoke about this a lot in the podcast before. A lot of it just comes down to each individual's perception of any situation because. Again, two people can be presented with the very same situation and have two completely different perceptions. So there, there's other things I've seen too, you know, about like 
obviously what, what like when are you at your happiness what are at your happiest and what are you doing and other things are like when you were a kid like what used to really excite you and sometimes they can be signs and signals as towards maybe what what would fulfill you throughout your life but um the reason i ask that too is because whenever I, I kind of speak about like you know what is the meaning of life and nobody can ever answer that question i suppose the meaning of life is going to be individual to each individual person but a thought that I've always had in my mind about the meaning of life is that I think everybody, every human being in the world wants the exact same thing, and that's to find their own heaven on earth, to find true, unconditional love and happiness for themselves, first of all, and then from there that they can contribute. But how how each individual goes about attaining their own heaven on earth is where we differ. So for some people, it'll be through music, other people will be through poetry, other people will be through literature, other people like yourself, it will be coaching so whether that be coaching in the fields of health and wellness or um human performance you know strength and condition physical preparation etc other people could be for being a, 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 a physiotherapist who gets people back to a certain standard of of um physical quality in their life and so to me it's just we use these different vehicles and means to all drive the same thing that we want which is to find again this this unconditional love and happiness um or as i like to put it you know our own heaven on earth so that's one way I kind of like to, to, to look at it. And I suppose another huge thing that drives that is this concept of creativity, you know, and like, that's why I love reading about musicians and, and writers. And even if you watch like the, the MasterChef programs on Netflix, they're so good to watch because it's how each individual is trying to, is trying to basically show their, their love for the world and their fellow human beings by, um, by showing their mastery and their, in their purpose. And, and then from that attaining some sort of fulfillment. So, you know, it's, it's just something I've been thinking about the last while and um, just interesting to obviously get your thoughts on, on what you think life is about. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's always great to hear other people's perspectives. Yeah, on the wall of the gym is, uh, it's coming down right now actually, is it, it's life is deep, or life is short, examine it deeply. Hmm. And I think that's, that's, uh, that's what the Buddha said when he died hmm. right before. Just in terms Sorry. of in terms of uh, resources, Ben, what 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 would be your top resources? I I see. I'm pretty sure you've done the FDN courses and you've done probably some other functional medicine courses. Like, what would be some of your your top courses? And 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 you can even delve into deeper here. Like, what are some of the most profound books you've given? I suppose Tim Ferriss always asks a very good question. In that, what's the one book you would always give away as a gift? I think the the the, the there's one or two books I'd always give away and. One is probably the Four Agreements, and the other one is uh, Biology Belief by Bruce Lipton. I think those are very profound books for someone to start with. So, just in terms of your top resources with books and courses and seminars and self development or anything, anything at all that you think is worth mentioning. Yeah, I always try to like. I think that's a great question from from Tim, and like so, I always try to give books that I think will meet people where they're at. Right. So, when if I got a really young person. Yeah. yeah. I might give them like the way of the peaceful warrior. Uh, if I got somebody super like intellectual, cerebral, I might give them like the field or something, something like that. Like Pat uh, and, and so I, I would try like my, who I gravitate more towards like is Stephen Pressfield. Uh, I love Stephen Pressfield's work. I've read every book he's, he's ever read, mm -hmm. uh, wrote. Um, and, and so that's who I gravitate to more. If I had to give, if I only had one book, I would give away Gary Keller's the one thing. I think that that is it's it's really really good and um the other books that i love are the slight edge uh it talks about like it's not the it's not the things that are what makes us successful is are the things that are easy not to do but easy to do 
And so if we continually don't do those things, we're going to get in trouble. But if we continually do the things that we need to do, we're going to, we're going to improve. Um, as far as like functional medicine, I'm not like, I've thought about rebranding. Like my wife's like, don't do it. Like, um, cause the, I just, it's hard, right? Because there's so much woo and I'm a very evidence-based person as much as you can be, right? The evidence is always changing, but I try to be, I lo- I'm, I love, if someone asks me a question, right? I'm going, I'm not going to Google. I'm going to PubMed. Um, and I'm going to try to find some peer-reviewed literature. That, and that's, that's my schooling too. And so there's positives and negatives of that. Um, but I think in the functional medicine world, we have to be really careful because it's so new and it's growing so fast. And there's, and I hear so many things that I'm like, how did you come up with that? Like, how, where is that coming from? Like, there's just people just pulling out numbers and, and, and things. And so whenever I hear, and I have this, I have this kind of healthy skepticism towards the field. I think Brian, we're, we naturally gravitate towards people who has that. I think someone who else has that is, is, um, is Brian Walsh and also like Chris Masterjohn. Um, and so those are, those are people that are very intellectual and, and question everything. And so I, if someone wants to get into functional medicine, they have to have some kind of creds, right? So if you want to help, if you want to take on clients, like you have to, clients have to want to beat your client, right? And so there's probably two ways to do that. There's degrees um, and letters after your name, which which may work. And I think it's it's mattering way less now. Um, and then the second way is, is just building a following and producing content that people gravitate towards. Um, and... But there's also a danger there, right? Because you have this algorithm in Facebook that constantly, it's, it's constantly sensing what you want, giving it to you before you want it. So you have this constant confirmation bias. Um, so finding people that, that kind of break that mold are, are going to be really important. So I, I would follow people like Alan Aragon, Lyle McDonald, um, you know, any of Pat Davidson, yourself. Like, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are, who are doing a really, really good job of, meshing health and fitness and doing it in a way that's not completely like um off hinged or like flying by the sea their own pains yeah it's funny i uh i teach at a personal training college and i also that to the students about this idea of you know a continuum and that if you ever have somebody who's really trying to jam something down your throat from one extreme end of that continuum always just be a little bit cautious because most things are always on a spectrum and most things are always in the gray area you know so if someone's like this is the only way then you hear someone at the other end no this is the way it's kind of you know more often than not you know the answer is always going to be it depends so it's probably going to be somewhere along that whole spectrum than being at one either extreme end of that continuum so yeah i i I get what you mean there too but uh like and like i suppose maybe like you you might have gone through a similar sort of process as myself because i've seen it in other people where when you first sort of get into the more health and wellness aspect of things, you kind of go through those sort of stages where like you're angry and everything's a conspiracy and conventional medicine are all bastards and fucking the pharmaceutical industry is out to get everyone. And then as you kind of get into more of your, you know, you, as you go on, you mellow a little bit and realize, listen, you know, you everything can't be one way. I suppose I started listening to more Alan Watts and Watts was just kind of like, you, know, you you wouldn't know good without bad. You wouldn't know left without right. You wouldn't know day without night. So he's all like trying to have everything perfect in just one way is a fruitless endeavor. So he's like, you can either come to a place of acceptance on that. Like when we talk about death, I mean, you can try and shove death out of your head as much as you want, but like it's inevitable. So 
the only thing you can do with death is to really meditate and come to acceptance on it. But I suppose w once you realize that acceptance is, is probably one of the few things you can really have control over, you can decide whether to you know, accept certain things or not, and then ex accept that you can perceive anything the way you want to perceive. And that was a great message of Viktor Frankl, the, the, psych the, the psychiatrist or psychiatrist in the, in the Holocaust, who wrote that great book, Man's Search for Meaning, that the one thing we're always in control of is our perception environment. And so, uh, you know, we go through those cycles where we're angry at conventional medicine, angry at the world, and then we kind of mellow and come to this place of acceptance. And all you can really do is just, as Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. W would you have gone through a similar process yourself and kind of those steps of like, you know, kind of the angry stage, and then you're kind of like, mm, that's probably not the right way to, to change things. You know, staying in this mindset is detrimental to myself. And if I really want to make a change, I've just got to start taking responsibility for what I bring to into creation moment to moment. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with that statement. Even if you look back in my writing when I'm 24 or 25, like I started writing every day uh, when I was 21. That, that writing is, is, is not is not very good, uh, primarily because it's so angry mm -hmm. um, and it's so it's kind of one dimensional, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not contextual, and so I think yeah, I think we just grow up, right? And I, the the health. It, the health industry is way out of balance right now, right? Like yeah. the AMA and conventional medicine has, has far too much power, but, and, and who knows if that power will go away because it's very entrenched, but the, it may, money changes a lot of things. And, and so, but I don't know that shifting to entirely functional medicine is the best thing either, right? Like people need surgery, like, like the, pharmaceuticals are necessary sometimes and i i think honestly like if we look at if you read sapiens and you read homo deus um you we've relied on biotech to pull us out of pretty much anything and that is we're not at a place where we're not out of that so like i think functional medicine is great but what happens when we have cars that drive themselves and then you're in virtual reality in a force somewhere like it, the, who knows what the world's going to be like in five to ten years, right? You might be able to, you might be able to grow a new liver, grow everything you need, and like, you might you might be attached to AI and live in a pot. Like who knows? Um, so yeah, that's that's my two cents. <laughs> Absolutely great stuff. Um, just in terms of. Another thing I really like to get your thought on, because it's it's been something that that's been on my mind a lot lately, and I spoke about it with James Smith, the thinker, and Pat, and even my Mike uh, Michael McAvoy, is just uh, basically debt. So like like how do you view debt? What what does debt mean to you? Hmm. Yeah, so I've I've literally had dreams of my own funeral since I can remember. Um, so I thought I was going to die way before I was 20, like, which is probably why I lived the way I did. Um, and, and so I don't necessarily, one of my buddies, Robert Rahil is just incredibly intellectual. He's like, you either think about death every moment or you, um, and those are the only two, those are the only two ways to really get benefit from thinking about death because you're not ever thinking about it or thinking about it constantly. Cause if you think about it constantly, it's going to motivate you. Uh, and I don't really ever think about death unless it's subconscious right now. I think about the death of other people a lot, and that that like gets that. Um, I guess and it's an entirely fictional story that I'm telling inside myself. Um, so for me, 
death is something that I, I don't think about. It's going to happen. Um, I know that it's going to happen. I've meditated on my corpse. And, and so I have the tattoo on my arm. This too shall pass. Like, mm. um, like my body is going to go away. Like my ability to squat and deadlift is going to, it's going to decrease as I age, whether I like it or not, no matter what substance I put in my body. Um, and so I've come to that realization, but I've also come to the realization that as long as I can write, I'm going to be happy. Like, so if, if I have some way to put my thoughts down on paper or digital paper, I'm, I'm going to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. Any day that I don't write, I don't feel very good about myself. Um, and so that's, that's been a great gift for me. And so I think we die a little bit every day, right? And so if you die a little bit every day and you're not, you're not getting something out of that day, then you got problems. Um, so that's how I feel about death. I choose not to think about it. Um, I have thought about it a lot in my life, but now it's something that just, I'm not worried about it. It doesn't come into my mind a lot. Um, if anything, it's, it's thoughts about other people leaving this earth. And, and I know those are fictional and that doesn't really, if, if anything, it just helps me pay attention to them more in this moment. Like, yeah, they're going to leave and I need to do something about it now. Like I need to, you know, spend time with people. And when I'm spending time with them, I need to be completely there. Like I can't tell you how many times, like I'm on my phone with my wife and we're both on our phones because she's insta famous, right? She's way more famous than I am. And maybe eventually I'll be a stay at home dad. That's what I'm like. I can just be a PubMed warrior all day. Um, but how much time did we lose? And so just really, um, that's, that's how I view death. It's like this thing's, this whole life is short. Examine it deeply. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason why I bring that up is, uh, so, uh, aside from the meaning of life, which I was just, it, was, it, it kind of just came back to me yesterday on a bus ride home. The other big area that I've been thinking about the last few months I spoke about this with a good friend of mine, Jordan, spoke about it with Danny Lennon and, and even wrote a, a Facebook post. And I don't write many Facebook posts, so if I write something, it's usually something that's been on my mind. I just need to bring it into I need to bring it into reality and out of, out of the subconscious is this concept of uncertainty and death. And the reason why uncertainty has been on my mind a lot is I read the book by Zebra Zonk and Ulcers by Robert Sapolsky. And that book brought to my awareness that uncertainty is one of the highest forms of stress to humans. And then, like, it got me thinking that mm-hmm. it got me thinking that the reason that uncertainty is such a is such a high stress of humans is is probably one of the driving factors of why we have certain behaviors and habits, and why we have certain dogmatic belief systems, be they religious systems. That's why we have religion. Yeah, yeah, be, be them re- religious systems or ideologies or political beliefs. Um, so like what what it got me thinking about was that if we can really meditate on the ultimate question of uncertainty, which is death, whether again you think about that consciously or it's in your subconscious in the very back of your mind, that is the ultimate question every single one of us has. Whether again we consciously acknowledge that or if we sat down and thought about it and go, that probably is the biggest question we all have. You know that we just simply don't know what's next, and that uncertainty for a lot of people is just not. It's not a nice place for them to be in. And that's why I kind of, you know, put forth this this idea, this this concept, or this sort of discussion of if we could really, you know, meditate about death and meditate about our, our mortality and, and come to a place, or always be trying to come to a place of acceptance that listen, that we, we are all going to die, and, and we need to stop seeing it as a bad thing because without death, it, we wouldn't know what life was. It's it's again, it goes back to uh, Alan Watson, the universe being 
a mechanism that works purely through contrast. You can't know left without right. You can't know day without night. You can't know woman without man. You can't know good without evil. So you would not know life without death. So I think we're just so conditioned, most of us, to see death as this terrible, terrible thing. But how do we know? And there, there is records of other civilizations who used to celebrate death. They used to see it as a great thing, you know, that someone has finally gone to your side and, you know, that they've reached their internal bliss. And it's just a conditioned thing, too, that we see it as such a negative, bad thing. But I think if it's if it's something that we could really meditate on, really come to an acceptance with or always try to pursue uh, a degree of acceptance, that a lot of these, these you know, certain detrimental behaviors and habits and self-limiting beliefs that we had would really start to diminish within us. And I think from that, we, we could only, as a civilization, become more loving towards one another. And, and, you know, and first of all, more loving towards ourselves and then towards others. So just the whole question of uncertainty and death uh, and the uncertainty of death itself, it was just been a fascinating topic in my mind lately. And, and the fact that the uncertainty of death and uncertainty in and of itself drives us to have these certain, again, behaviors and beliefs that, that add a sense of control to our lives. Like th th these are why people have them. It's like, I know this to be true. And I hang on. They're like, they're safety blankets. They're safe to love and hold on to. But really, we're just deflecting from the ultimate question again, that is what's after this life. So it was just, just something I've been thinking about. And that's why, I, again, I, would love to, I was looking to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, one of the things, like, I love that Robert Sapolsky is obviously amazing. It's like novelty and uncertainty are the things mm. that stress us out most humans. And so, like, the... So whenever I hear people who say that, like they're stressed about one thing or another, I always I always play the game like, what's the worst that can happen? So if we think about death, like what is the worst that happens? That's probably nothing, right? You just die. Um, and and so billions of humans have died before you. And if nothing happens, it's your ego that is dying. That is so. Why is it so important that you stick around? That you have some other existence past this, right? Um, why is it so important that you have a soul? Um, and so when when you come to the appreciation that you are not that important in the grand scheme of things, um, then I think you you lose your you may lose your fear of death. Like, fuck, fuck you, I'm really important. What? I said fuck you, I'm really important. Speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Yeah, <laughs> I, we can. We I'm can joking. I, I, that, 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 that's that's Irish humor, Ben. That's Irish humor. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. No, I think there, there definitely comes a point, like everything comes around, right? Like like you're unimportant and you're important. You're, and so there's this, like, that you're talking about duality. It's the same thing. Like there's, there's this duality that we're never, there is no solving it. So you can either think about it all the time or you can live your life one moment at a time and try to do your best. Absolutely. Absolutely, boy. Uh, I want to work with you. So... Uh, how, how how does that process? How does that? Sorry, this is a hypothetical question. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, awesome. I don't think you need to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I I I'd be happy to work on you with any sort of project. But let's say I, I'm someone that's seeking your services. First of all, what, yeah. what do you offer, and then how how does that look? So if someone gets in touch with you for I'm I'm assuming like they have a health and wellness issue. Like, do is there an assessment process, and then how do you decide what intervention to do? Can you just run us through that whole concept? Yeah, yeah. So, um, first thing that happens is people, someone contacts me, they email me from some source or another. Um, and then I shoot them an email back and I give them a bunch of intake forms and they go get lab work. And, uh, once that lab work is back, it's just a, it's a very conventional panel. I think of it as kind of the on-ramp. Um, and then 
once that lab, once those, once those blood labs come back, we, um, we have about a two hour consult. And in that two hour consult, like nothing else is on in my room. Like, like I'm completely immersed in that person's story. And I try to get as much of information as I can. I try to listen as intently as I can and come out with, with a plan for them. Like what, and, and I always come back to kind of Gary Keller's like if, if, cause we know some humans are going to do really well and like, putting in a ton of habits at one time. They're just those people who are like, they can completely reinvent their lives in, in, in 30 minutes. And, and those people can also be exhausting because they reinvent their life like every three months. And, and so um, there's some people, however, that like, they have to do one habit at a time like from like the switch philosophy. Like, once they get that habit on board, it sticks. And so everyone's different. So I try to, um, I use that two hours to really connect with them and to figure out what they, what they need and like what systems are probably not functioning optimally, um, what their life looks like, because if they're, you know, if they have a job that they hate, how much am I really going to be able to talk to them about everything? And so if they can't breathe, like, what am I really going to be able to do to them? If they've had seven concussions and, you know, knock out their front teeth when they were four and then they immediately had, you know, every GI symptom known to man, like they need to get some brain therapy. So one of the, one of the things, like I help a lot of people and I think I can probably help, you know, a large percentage, like 80% probably only need, would need to see someone like me. But I also know that I don't know everything and that I'm never going to know everything and that I need to know what I don't know. And I, um, part of the, I see personal trainers or whatever you want to call them as gatekeepers, uh, probably the most important gatekeeper, and that the more stuff they're aware of and how they can have, they can probably have the biggest influence on the health and fitness sector, the health sector, just because they can push people to where they need to go. Um, don't get involved in that field. They need to do their due diligence and mastery. Um, and so that's what it looks like to see me. And then I, I would say that, not to toot my own horn, but I, I think – I've been doing this for a long time and I, I've seen a lot of, I've paid to work with other people. I've seen a lot of people's operations. And, and I think what I give people is, is some of the best stuff. Like I give you, I try to be as clear and concise as possible because I'm about as type A as it gets. Um, and, and those people tend to work really well with me because I, everything is very, very clear. This is, this is what I want you to do. This is when I want you to do it. Um, and so and that can be – that's where I thrive. And that, yeah, that's, that's it. That's perfect. That's absolutely beautiful, man. Uh, so, Ben, where, where can people find out more about you, you know, websites and any upcoming projects? I know you have a, another uh, retreat coming up soon and, and Pat's involved with that. So maybe just, just give us your, your, your best contact information and then any upcoming projects. Yeah, Facebook is probably the – Follow me, friend me. That's where I'm most active. I, I generally put when I'm on when I'm all plugged into social media. I generally have something five days a week that I'll put uh, long form, medium or not very long form, but mostly short, medium form. The goal there is just to promote action and to, to help people question their own beliefs and just and really just to just hit people ahead over the head again and again with these concepts because as Marcus really says, it, it's we need more often to be reminded than informed, right? So most of the time people know what they need to do. They just need to be reminded. Um, and so that's probably the best way. Uh, website, functionalmedicinecostarica.com, and then what Pat and I have going on. So I, I'll probably hold one or two bigger treats down in Costa Rica a year with 35 to 40 people that will have talks. There will be, you know, big uh, rah-rah events that are they're amazing. Um, if you follow people that go, 
can probably see everything on social media and I love them. They're, they're huge, but, um, I'll also have smaller events. Like I'm really, really excited about this event with Pat and we're going to run mass two and, uh, put continuous glucose monitors and people, you got to be able to back squat 1.5 times your body weight. Um, and so there'll be about, I think there'll be eight of us and there's about two spots left for that. It's July 19th. Um, so if, and, and honestly, like all that data, you're going to get it. You're going to come back and you get Pat coaching you for 10 days in the jungle. Like, uh, I don't know if there's, I don't know what that's worth. Um, but so that's what we got going on. And I'm going to run, my goal is to run, you know, three or four of those a year with different strength coaches and, and maybe probably, probably a lot more with that too. Um, just to collect data and start answering a lot of questions that we don't have as best we can. Um, so that's, that's what, that's where find me and that's what I'm doing. Great stuff. Great stuff. Just the last question that I have for you, Ben, is uh, what what would be your top advice to all the listeners? And that advice could be anything, you know, just life advice, uh, any sort of self-development or personal improvement they could make. You still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Thank yeah. you. I think uh, that's what okay. The, what, is the, what is the one piece of advice that I would say, I would say uh, do not embrace failure um, because it, failure is the key to success. Um, so if, if you're scared of failure, you're going to be scared all the time. So embrace failure uh, in all aspects of your life uh, and, and seek it out. Seek out that. Um, seek out failure. Seek out resistance. When you you know when everything's going wrong and you're trying to follow something that you love, maybe that that's that's a compass for you that you should be really doing that. Um, so that's what I, I would say. Okay, Dr. Ben House, that was an absolute pleasure, my man. It's an hour and five minutes of absolute gold, so we will definitely do this in the future, and I definitely think we should do a three-way with, uh, with Pat Davidson. I think that will go down a treat with the listeners. So, uh, Ben, just, just stay on for another few minutes uh, or just another 30 seconds while I wrap this up. So, guys, what an absolutely brilliant episode. Uh, not so much on um, physical preparation today or sports performance or human performance well human performance in, in terms of just general life performance but uh, more of a philosophical talk about life and that's why i really wanted to get ben on because it's my podcast and this is should i like to talk about as well so this is why it's called all, this is why it's called all things strength and wellness so uh because i remember i always tell people like uh like my blog used to be called all things all things strength and i don't write it anymore i need to get a new website a new name and all that i will eventually but um because I originally just got into strength conditioning, and then like strength conditioning opens up the door to like nutrition, and then and then rehab, and then they open the doors to like functional medicine, and then that opens the door into like you know spirituality and human behavior, and then you know child development, and it's just like every door is just like you just keep going and going and going. And then it's like I realize it's all connected. The universe is all just energy and vibration. So it's, it's kind of funny, like the, the the way just one door opens another, and you can just keep going if you're curious, like me and like you and Pat Davidson. We just keep going and digging and digging, and it's kind of funny because people go, "What do you do?" And it's kind of like, do you know, I used to know, but uh, I don't really know how to answer that right now. So I just kind of say, I'm I'm a researcher, pretty much. Yeah, I, I just research anything to do with human performance, op- optimizing human performance and experience. Yeah, that that journey is evident in yours in the people that have come on your podcast, and I'm. I'm honored to be a part of such an esteemed list. Oh, thank man. you for thank That's, you for having me on. Uh, and you'll be on again if you if you make if you can make time and agree. So guys, uh, for those of you listening, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. 
Um, uh, as I always say at the end of these, if you can share these episodes, if you think it's worthwhile or someone can get some benefit from, please do share them and leave a review on iTunes as well. And uh, for now, though, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Be well, take care, and stay strong.